Hi, this is Kane McKenzie from We Are The City, and you are listening to Music A to Z. Music A to Z podcast. I am Steve Ferguson. And I am Douglas Ferguson. How's it going, Doug? Um, it's okay. You know, I'm moving soon. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, I always have mixed feelings about it. Like, there's pros to where we're moving to. You know, it'll, it'll cost me less rent, and but I hate moving. I hate moving a lot. Moving's the worst. Yeah, it's no fun. But it could be, it could be worse. Apparently Nate's getting movers, so really, I, there's... Most of my concerns aren't there. Like, I don't know. I, I just I guess I just really like my apartment, and I didn't want to move in the first place. But, you know, I just kind of didn't, didn't have a choice. <laughs> so, so I guess I guess maybe that's what my biggest beef is, is that it just sort of happened to me. And it was like, I didn't really get a say in it. That, that was that was my that's my beef. That was the danger with roomies. Was that what happened with the Fergabane Manor, too? No, no, that, that, that was when I got married. Oh. Oh, so did it happen to the Banes, then? I guess so. <laughs> but, I mean, they could have tried to find another roommate. You know, I also, in, in retrospect, I kind of wish I stuck around at the Vergabane Manor more as well, because I actually really liked it there. Mm, it was a good, it was a nice Vergabane. Yeah, but I wanted to move forward with life. And blah, blah, blah. Say lovey. Anyway, um, so thank you, dear listener, for, as always, being patient with uh, with our releases. Yeah, here we are. We're back again. So much feedback from Disco Ben that we couldn't possibly... Oh, right. There was... There was that. I did want to mention that. So here's a little feedback. As promised, Disco Ben did give us a album by album review following along with our BG stuff, mm-hmm. and, which I found great and fascinating. It wasn't, uh, and now this album I love because of this, and this album I love, and this next album I love. It's not. No, no. Disco Ben has got an absolutely fascinating and retrospective and introspective review of, of each album, as well as a sort of a generalized thing. And I, and I, I want to thank him here because I was following along even at, in the later, I bet I, I was waiting because I was reading his responses as he was putting them out. And I was, I was completely invested and I thought it was super interesting. So I definitely want to thank you disco for, for taking the time to, to follow along in our BG stuff. And yes, absolutely. I understand you were a little disappointed that you weren't asked to, to be a, a guest host, but time, the time constrictions. Uh, yeah, it's the, I think that was a big thing is that like, it, I mean, it was a long episode even with just the two of us. Yeah. My, my, my humblest apologies, but I would encourage everybody. The dialogue is on the Facebook page under the Bee Gees episode. Just go, just go take a look. He's got a, he's got a great commentary with a lot of really interesting little side notes, a couple things that we missed, a couple other projects, uh, and, and, and some great insights. Apparently so, he didn't dig high civilization nearly as much as I did. Yeah. So true. you know what? That, Way to have an opinion there, Disco. <laughs> yeah, what gifts? Yeah, come on. What gifts? It was. Uh, I remember my Facebook feed just going crazy as he was posting them. And every now and then he's like, doong, doong. I'm like, okay, okay. We did court it, too. We asked, true, him. We, we asked him at the end of the episode. And maybe even at the beginning. So, yes. Again, one more time. Thank you, Disco Ben. Let's move on to our, uh, let's move on to our episode. Today we've gone to the opposite end of the spectrum. I would... I guess you could say, going, I guess, from one of the biggest pop acts in the world to what started as an underground electronica act that decided after becoming big that they didn't really want to be big. And so canned it. 
So, who are yeah. we, we covering today, Doug? Today we are covering Chairlift. So, numero uno, do you remember back in our Canadian run, our Y episode, Why is for Young Galaxy? I do. That was a request by a friend of mine, Joey. He also requested this band, Chairlift. Oh, that was quite a while ago. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. I had never heard of them before, and he recommended a couple tracks to me, and I listened to them. One of them was Eminem Anesia, and I think the other one was Bruises, and I took a listen. I was like, I really like this, and we're now only getting to it. I'm sorry, Joey. I'm sorry, but... You know, given enough time, we'll we will get to it. It was Steve's fault. I didn't even know. <laughs> however, however, I did flip the coin that brought us the chairlift. That is true. <laughs> yes, that is true. I mean, we also want uh, want to be able to have something that to like to say about them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and this actually seemed appropriate given that they very recently called it quits. Hmm. Yeah. So just as a bit of history, technically they're from Boulder, Colorado, but. They are really based out of Brooklyn, out of New York, and identify the band identified themselves as New Yorkers and actually made a concerted efforts to to be part of that that New York that New York music scene. At the time, it was a re- like it first started off as Caroline Polachek and Aaron Fenning, and then they were later joined by Patrick Wimberly. The the three of them came together to. Like, the idea was just to kind of, like, do a little bit of music. You know, just, like, just, just to noodle around on some music. Not mm-hmm. not really, like, this is it, guys. We're going to be big. This is how we're going to do it. You know, sort of thing. It wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't we're um, we're going to take the world by storm. It was just to kind of, like, do some, do some little stuff. They, they signed to uh, K9 Records in 2007, just after Patrick Wimberly joined. And they started, they started uh, noodling around on some music and making... Then they came out with their first album... Uh, does you inspire you? And they had a, a couple artsy. I mean, I'm going to tell you this right from the get go. They're a really artsy, artsy band. Not just in terms of the of uh, the music arts and stuff like that, but also in the visual arts and uh, also conceptually too. If you take a look at some of their videos, they they take her around with some very visually interesting things. The most noteworthy one off of this first album, "Does You Inspire You," is probably "Evident Utensil." Have you seen Have you seen the video? I meant to send it to you, but maybe I you had not. It. No, no. So let me describe the video just in a nutshell. You know how sometimes when you're watching a video and then there's a glitch and the video freezes and then it like bleeds color, uh, and then b- it, before it snaps back to like the actual video, mm-hmm. they do that on purpose. And then when the the color bleeds and stretches and stuff like that, then it does a sort of like a magic eye thing where it shows it shows a difference. Uh, different scene and that merges into the, a new scene in the video. It's, it's really actually cool. It's really cool. And the okay. first time you watch it through, you're like, oh, shoot, something's going wrong with the video. Oh, no, wait, they meant to do that. And you'll do that a couple times during the video because it is a, they're very typical. Yeah, it's kind of hard to describe, but everybody who's watched a video on YouTube when their computer's like lagged or something's gone wrong, you've seen that kind of distortion. 
But yeah, it's yeah. We didn't mention the daylight savings EP. My bad. Yes. Did you listen to it at all? I missed the daylight savings EP. Did you? No, I, I did. I I listened to it. It's it's pretty like simple instrument, like a lot of instrumental stuff, and you know, it's it's a little. Uh, it, there's nothing really like uh, super ear catching in it. The only way I could find it is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, the uploaded files have this problem with them every now and then that there's this like the sound of like distortion or it, it just it just basically sounds all wrong for like a second mm. every now and then through the song so it's not an op- the optimum way to listen to this ep mm-hmm. but the as from what i could tell it is the only way <laughs> to listen to the ep yeah that, ex- that explains so. it because i i listened to, uh i went through spotify <coughs> there's a yeah, well, another another endorsement. I would have loved to go through Spotify to, to listen to it because I probably would have gotten a better, much better sound experience. But alas, that is how you. But but you know, it, for people who are immensely curious and really into chairlift, I recommend you know just go and give, give it a sample and just prepare to be jarred every now and then. And when there's this sort of sound that kind of takes over, mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. I, I must have been something about the way that they were uploaded or. Who knows? Oh, who knows? Yeah, it could be a number of things. Um, and you know, the thing is, I'm also, I'm not even a hundred percent sure that those are actually the songs. I don't see why they wouldn't be, but like, it's really not an official source. Hmm. It's just sort of, it has the name chairlift and a, a track title, but I can't even access uh, a Wikipedia page for the track titles to see if they match up. So it's, it's a little, it's a little up in the air, but I just thought everyone should know that they're out there for people to hear. You know, it might have been just sort of like something that they were passing around to labels. Maybe it was a, like Maybe. a demo sort of thing. Or like a, a, a live, live show concert only thing. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Yeah. Hard to say. Well, I guess uh, if Chairlift ever comes to town, ah, spoilers, they won't. What did you think of the curiously named Does You Inspire You? I would say it's uh, it's uh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say Bruises, the, the big song off the album. Mm-hmm. The one that, uh, you know, everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I, I even do it. I, when, uh, when I was listening to the album, I'm like, wait a minute, I know this song, but I don't remember where I heard it. <laughs> I, I just sort of like, it just must've been floating around. Cause apparently it was like a billboard top 100 mm-hmm. song, but I don't remember hearing it on the radio. I, I just kind of, I guess it was just one of those songs that would just kind of floated around and, um, but it is not very representative of what the album's like. No. And so I could see maybe people who buy the album kind of expecting something more, a little like, a little cuter and dreamier like that one might be uh, disappointed. Yeah, the album is actually more like Evident Utensil, very quirky and uh, mm-hmm. spastic than uh, than Bruises. But, you know, once you can get past the fact that it has sort of this pop, you know, I don't know. It's it's it's. I can't even like label bruises. It's it's just sort of a, it's very unique, and I, and I really really like it. But pop doesn't even seem like the right uh, dream, label. For dream it. pop, almost. You know, Maybe a dream pop, dream pop kind of thing. Yeah, the actual album. Uh, it kind of well it starts off like it starts off really good, but it actually gets really dark near the end. I, I yeah, I've noticed the second half is uh, is noticeably uh, noticeably more down tempo ambient at times. Like songs like Territory, which are quite long, uh, you would think they'd go through like a musical arc, but instead they're it's more ambient, really. Mm-hmm. So I think that this this album really kind of defies expectations. Sometimes feels a little bit like it's not following through with its promises, but at the same time, like I don't have a bad time listening to it. I, I think it's actually I, I kind of want to give it more time. It's the thing is that 
I, I know it took us a while to get here uh, to, to, to record this episode, but like, I just I feel like it, it, it. This is one that kind of would continue to reward um, some commitment. I think to listening to it because I, I have already found that with a little bit of their work. It's a fascinating album. Uh, it, it's definitely not what you would expect, given if you listen to the big single. But I do recommend it. Yeah, no, it's it's it is definitely very interesting and at times i feel like they're trying to find their footing um like they're experimenting with some sounds that they don't really do much with later take take, i guess my biggest example is don't give a damn which is a very folky country sort of song and in fact her the way she does her vocals remind me very much of feist in that one which is I would say maybe be why they don't do much of that going forward. It's a sound that a lot of other singers and bands kind of tinker around with. Yeah, and uh, at that point, uh, in 2008, at that point, it was pre- it was it was been it had been done. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, like yeah, if you're talking Feist and sort of that that movement of musician that was that was years old at that point. Yeah. But uh, I, I do actually, I do have a, quite a fondness, fondness for the album, but but more along the lines of like, I mean, the ambient stuff's nice to kind of have in the background, but uh, to, to be honest, the more challenging stuff, uh, the unique stuff, that's the stuff that I tend to latch on to. Now, interestingly, Caroline Polachek was going to university at the time at NYU, and she was in a computer lab studying for finals, getting all that stuff going, and she gets a text message. I don't think she said who the text message was from, but someone texted her and said, "Hey, uh, hey, your song Bruises is on an iPod commercial." Now she <laughs> yeah. she doesn't go into too much detail there, oh, and maybe that's where I heard it. It's possible, yeah. I don't know. Did did wonders for Feist, right? Yeah, and uh, Jet. Oh yeah, did, did yeah. wonders for Jet. Now she doesn't go into too much detail in this interview I read on Pitchfork. How would she not know? Like. I guess if the label just kind of uh, sent it out. That, that's that's the thing, too, because she mentioned briefly in this interview with, with Pitchfork that there was a lawsuit. There was a legal thing going on at the time. I don't know what. She doesn't go into any details. I'm not surprised because sometimes with these lawsuits, if there's a settlement, then they say specifically, okay, you're not allowed to talk about the, uh, about this, you know, please, because right, XYZ, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, protecting image and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no. So, so I don't actually know if the lawsuit was related to this or not. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Well, it it would with Apple because they tend to be fairly good about, especially for like those iPod ads and stuff like that, about crediting and arranging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But maybe, or maybe it had to do with with chairlift and the label canine because they didn't stay with them. Um, yeah, and I, I just yeah, I feel like if something like that takes you by surprise, I mean, obviously it did wonders for their their career and their song. But, you know, it'd be nice to be consulted, I imagine. <laughs> well, for sure, because, yeah. like, and we just spoke about this with Moby, because it's just like, what if they were very anti-Apple? It's just like, <laughs> do they want to be associated with, with, with Apple? Maybe, I mean, like, legitimately, it sounds like there's, there's, it sounds like there's no ill will or anything like that now. But, like, I mean, if I, I was an artist I, making music, I would, you know, want to be consulted as to well, which companies are... Uh, my my music is being associated with. It know? also makes me think of that time that Will I Am uh, like sampled Daft Punk, and <laughs> I use the term sampled very loosely because it's more like st- stole around the world from Daft Punk and then rapped over it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even ask them permission. And it's like, dude, Daft Punk samples all the time. If you had asked them permission, this whole thing probably would not have happened. Like it's, it's huge, this huge. Uh, they had to like take this song. They had to take the song down yeah, or something like yeah. that. Like it was. 
ever. Yeah. Ugh. Just, just you know, just, just, just talk communication. That's all. Anyways, this <sighs> so much of this is speculative. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. Anyways, needless to say, so uh, bruises. You're right. Did gain a hell of a lot of traction and charted, and there was a lot of interest in in a follow up album. And Columbia signed them up, uh, which is interesting because they were they were basically an underground band who were suddenly uh, sort of not unlike Go Team, suddenly thrust up into into you know a far bigger world now columbia said you know or well didn't say but there was an expectation that their their next album would be kind of like bruises um but that being said by the same token when they started delivering some of the music it wasn't turned away it wasn't like ah no or whatever so chairlift did mention that the stuff that they uh they were recording was well received but they were they were legitimately feeling like uh you know we got to do more bruises so it was, it was like I, I feel like bruises, like that kind of song. It's so like cute and novel that you don't want to reproduce it. Like I, I or I wouldn't want to. I just yeah. think that that would be, like you know, like you you made something special kind of once, and like why try and do that again? And I guess well from a record label's perspective, it's like well because we want to sell those records. Again. That's what people are expecting from you, yeah, sort of thing, yeah. right? And plus as well, I mean you can you can argue as well, just like all. Columbia would have to say as well, look at how Bruises charted and look at how your other single update utensils charted. And I mean, <laughs> look, look at it. Look at the difference. <clears throat> yeah, the difference is charted and not charted. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's it, that's a it's a fairly straightforward argument. It's an argument that makes sense from a business point of view. Yes. But Columbia, they, on the other hand, they've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Right, they've taken risks. They've made dem- demands that are unreasonable. They've made uh, concessions. They've made demands that are reasonable. They've been around the block a long time, so it's nice that that they were like, "Okay, the stuff you're doing now is pretty good." Now it's at this point that Aaron Fenning left. In the Pitchfork article I read, it's it's kind of a mixed thing. Um, they both Caroline and Patrick really really like Aaron. Like they they say they love him to pieces. Yeah. But they also say outright it was not working. Uh, they had both been, uh, become involved in relationships, and they were growing as artists, and it was just apparently not working. Uh, and that's that's basically as as much really as as is worth is worth saying. I mean, sometimes you have a professional relationship, and sometimes you have a more personal one, and and sometimes it, they just don't they don't match up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. Sometimes you just can't um, work with people uh, and and remain friends, and so you know, like in order to 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 stay being friends with somebody, you have to like not work with them. Hmm. In January of 2012, they released on Columbia Records, and also there's some distribution through Young Turks. Uh, they released the album Something, which is the album by them that I own, on the heels of their uh, single Amanamnesia, which they had released several months prior. Um, I also want to say that, like, is this just? I, I feel like there's a story behind the name of this album. Like, there's I, I don't know what, it was, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like it's just like like the, they're like we don't know what to call this thing, and the label's just like just call it something, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You almost you really want it to be that, really, yeah, right? Exactly. So, Doug, what do you think of something? It's it's sort of a weird ironic flaw, mm-hmm. but I'd say that the the issue is that the first track is too good. <laughs> it's, it's just it's too good. It is. Kind of sets up unrealistic expectations for the rest of the album. Sidewalk Safari. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's got some really cool ideas and really cool effects in there. Actually, the effects are 
are like nothing I've ever heard before, actually. The uh... yeah, I think it's a guitar distortion pedal. Yeah, you know? it sounds. It sounds. I don't know. It sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely recommend that song. It's uh, it's a great killer opening. Just you know, don't expect anything so like quirky. I guess from that point on, um, just you kind of have to. You know, now level your expectations again, and you'll be just fine. Because, I mean, honestly, like, the album's really good. I mm-hmm. actually really enjoy it. It's got a nice mix of, like, dancey stuff. Again, this one's kind of um, divided as well, I find. The um, the first half has more of, like, the, I guess, more pop songs. And then the last half, not as much. Maybe a little, little more uh, electronic and a little darker, maybe. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, it, but it, if this way, it, doesn't, it feels a little more natural, uh, a little more organic than the first album. I'd say it's probably their, uh, probably the, the best album they have uh, out of the out of their catalog, uh, which is, you know, only three albums. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's the one that I connected to the most and uh, and walked away with like the most songs that I really, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, actually, I, I, the, the first three tracks, I think, are all pretty good. Like, like, I Belong in Your Arms is another really great track. A little more conventional, but... Really great track, and wrong opinion is sort of like it's it's a kind of nice bridge between the two. Very inter- very interesting percussion work. Yeah, I guess. Uh, what do you think? First off, I gotta I gotta mention the the producers on this album. Uh, Dan Carey's one of them. Dan Carey has worked with Yaser and oh, Block yeah. Party and Franz Ferdinand and Tame Impala and even Hot Chip. That's um, a that's a pretty good resume. Yeah, absolutely. And the other uh, producer is Alan Mulder, who has worked with an obscene number of people. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Let's see. <laughs> number of to name a few, I see White Lies. Killers. A Perfect Circle. Interpol. Them Crooked Vultures. Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, yes. White Lies. Arctic Monkeys. Death Cab for Cutie. Interpol. Did I say Interpol already? <laughs> uh, oh, you may have. <laughs> well, uh, anyways, it goes, yeah, it goes yeah. on and on and on. And on um, and on. And I think, I think that's interesting because, I mean, I think they were they really found their footing with this album. And having two really seasoned but fairly broad producers, I think, really helped with the sound, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the first album, I feel like this album is kind of split into like a side A, side B sort of thing as well. Uh, with Eminem Amnesia, the first single that predated the release by a couple months, that one being the start of like the side B. Ghost Night and Cool as Fire might be the only misstep in this album, I think, because they're both fairly slow and they both kind of bring it down. I mean, not even like slow tempo, but just there's a sign about it that just kind of like the the energy is just kind of slowly dropped. Right. But that's really about it. Everything else is, is really good. And they've even got one of those throwback sort of ambient tracks from like the last time with uh, Turning, which which I found, although, again, doesn't really build up to anything. And it's fairly, actually, this one isn't even fairly long. This one's three minutes, but uh, it's, it does have that sort of uh, dark ambient energy like from the first album. But it's actually, I actually find to be really, really good. I mean, all in all, I, I actually really, really like love this album. I adore this album. I think it's great. I know uh, before we record it, again, um, <laughs> I, I sent you the video for Eminem Asia, which is is kind of interesting. She's like a pill dancing on a ton, and um, and Patrick is like his face is like animated, his eyes change color, very and crudely animated. Yeah, and it's kind of like dazed, and it's karaoke style on the bottom, and like that sort of visual visual uh, video. I think is. It's super. It's super cool. It's super cool. It's not conventional, you know. Kind of like building off like the first album as well, with uh, evident utensil being kind of a weird, visually interesting video. 
this doesn't rely as much on effects, but it's still kind of like it's it's trying to convey some some ideas. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Definitely uh, broke down the boundaries of what I thought uh, dance moves could be. <laughs> uh, she pulls out a few. She does, she pulls out a few ones that yeah, you'll they'll take you by surprise. Uh, the raining ears is one of them that I'll call. Uh, the the boxer pianist is another one. Uh, I, yeah, I I thought it was cute. It was uh, it was kind of charming. Yeah. Yeah, she choreographed that one herself. Yeah, no, she's she's definitely a talented, talented gal. Yeah, you know, Dag. Um, honestly, though, it's such a such a good album. Um, the uh, this track here at the end, "Grown Up Blues," is not on the CD. Oh. Mm-hmm. Did I miss that then? Because I I listened to yeah I listened to the CD version, and I don't think I listened to it through Spotify. I will have to check this out. I guess. Soon. So, any Spotify listeners, uh, Grown Up Blues at the very end is not on the CD. I'll have so, to check out to see if it's on iTunes as well. Yeah, yeah, could yeah. could just be a bonus or whatever. But I mean, I I feel like this is where Chairlift completely found their identity and completely found their their uh, their mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, and all things considered, I, I think I think it's a great great album. I think it's pretty cool too. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> oh, pretty cool. I belong in your arms. Uh, there's also a Japanese version. Right. Um, which is, uh, I mean, it's got a little bit of a different, there's a little bit of extra production and electronic stuff going on there. And they actually just sing it in Japanese. Which I think is always kind of cool for, because yeah, there's a lot of Western music that gets into Japan and stuff all the time. Yeah. And I think it's kind of nice, you know, when you get an occasional artist then to actually go the, the little extra distance and sing it in Japanese. And then shoot a music video that's a Japanese version and stuff like that. And, you know, I've... It, to be honest, I'm struggling. I'm sure others have, but I'm struggling to think of other Western artists that have done that for their Japanese audience. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are some. No, I can't. But think I, of any I can't think of any off the top of my head. Usually, there's just like a, a bonus track thrown in for the Japanese audience because they have to spend so much on CDs. I think like the CDs are very expensive over there. Uh, at least they were. I don't know what it's like anymore. They tend to be Japanese bonus tracks. Sometimes UK bonus tracks as well. It's true, actually, because, right? Because uh, UK, they 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 have very expensive CDs. They as well. do. Um. So yeah, we we always we, we always get off lucky uh, here in North America, but the downside is, is we don't get all those fancy new those fancy tracks. You know, sometimes you get Japanese releases, but even they're even still in English. Like there was, uh, we were talking about her space holiday. He had a he had like a Japanese only uh, CD release, did he not? Which one was that? I, I don't I don't remember. Oh, I just wait, listened the, to the, uh, the telescope or something like that. Yeah, or at least it was it was a one that was later in his career. And then yeah, and then he released it. You could get it through his store, I think. But I think that was later though, when he was wrapping up the well, quote unquote, wrapping up <laughs> at the time he was wrapping up the Herspace Holiday. Uh, yeah, um, I yeah, I'm a little, I'm I'm fuzzy on the details. Uh, it's been a while since we've covered <laughs> Herspace Holiday, but anyway, yeah. The album sold well enough. They're getting into solo projects and side projects and relationships and all that sort of, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Uh, I haven't looked too much into it, but Caroline at this point, she had a, uh, a solo career, Ramona Lisa. So, interesting story. So, this I think it was the South by Southwest Festival. Um, they uh, established a relationship with Solange, Solange Knowles. I think her name is pronounced Solange. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm, Here at the Music Gate Ed podcast, <laughs> we are renowned. For not being able to pronounce names, <laughs> places, things, words, anything. <clears throat> uh, P- Patrick, actually, as an aside, he's got a really good uh, relationship with uh, MGMT. MGMT, of course, just released their new album. Just they thought did. I'd do a quick yeah, plug. Yeah. I think I actually posted it on our Facebook page. 
But anyways, so apparently Solange was a big fan of their music. They really liked her. They got along together. They did a bit of performing and stuff. Um, and Solange said, hey, you know what? You guys should you guys should pair off with my sister, you know, Beyonce, and work with her. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Ha, 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 ha. Not really thinking that it was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as oh, she's probably just being nice. Oh, she's maybe she's caught up in like the, hey, yeah, we just had so much fun. Oh, you should do this sort of thing, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, caught up in the excitement of the moments and all that stuff. And again, not really expecting anything. But then, sure enough, Beyonce does come a calling, and they start working together on this this uh, this track, "No Angel." So, uh, Caroline uh, creates uh, a sort of like a, a a composition and a demo of it, uh, and it includes uh, these vocal pitches every. Every uh, verse is a different pitch. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. With the objective being that the listener doesn't know where the song, like what turn the song is going to do. So it's perpetually sort of drawn in. At least that's the idea, right? So it gets sent to Beyonce. Beyonce does a recording of it. Then Beyonce's people, quote unquote, um, they play it back for Caroline. And Caroline's, you know, she's very positive about it because holy cow, you know, she's yeah. she's working on a big track like this. Beyonce, yeah. this is great. Big but Beyonce just sings it in her comfortable register the whole way through. The register she's most comfortable with. Because she does have a dynamic voice, but there's a register she's most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, uh, I usually find it's switch to 11. <laughs> absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Celine Dion. It's like crank it to 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Caroline said, hey, I, I, I understand Beyonce probably doesn't take notes. But just to let you know, uh, originally I had different vocal inflections. And here's the reason why. And here's kind of what I did. And Beyonce's people, quote unquote, said... Beyonce doesn't take notes. And <laughs> she's like, okay, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Just throwing it out there. We take notes from Beyonce, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then when the song's released, Caroline's listening to it, and she's found Beyonce's re-recorded it based on her recommendations, based on how she had composed it. And she was floored. Uh, the song, did I say the song was called No Angel? I think I did mention that. Now, this this garnered a lot of a lot of attention, and then all of a sudden we have a lot of, a lot more interest in, in Chairlift and Caroline. I mean, she, like I said... Before she showed up in a bunch uh, like bonus tracks, uh, washed out. She was in "You and I" off of "Within and Without," which is a great album. Mm-hmm. Amongst others, you'll you'll find that both of them have popped up just randomly. Now, they have recorded a few songs uh, and and sketched out a few songs for Beyonce. One of them wound up being one that they wound up carrying over for themselves for their next album, "Moth." Uh, the song being "Chiching." Now, I knew, after picking up something, I knew that Chairlift was in the process of recording and getting ready to release a new album. I knew it. And then when the single came out, Cha-Ching, I was like, oh no. <laughs> what, what is this? I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And then originally I was like, ah, yeah, I'm going to get that new Chairlift album. But then ever since hearing that, I was like, nah. And I kind of put it off, to be honest. I, I put it off because I didn't want to be disappointed by the album. Because I was really disappointed in the single, I had a similar experience actually with Kimbra with uh, with that album, The Golden Hum. She had that mm, that, yeah, that yeah. single '90s music that I really didn't like, but the follow up single was luckily was uh, the song um, "Love in High Places," which I adored. So I wound up picking up that album. Um, and it goes to show you the uh, the power of the opening single, mm-hmm. like how it does actually kind of to some degree cast a shadow on on an album, and really, it, you know, whether you wanted to. Or not, it, it is the first impression of an album for a lot of people. Um, even though, like, sometimes it doesn't represent the album as a whole. And uh, 
And I mean, I, I kind of feel that way about No Line on the Horizon by mm. U2, where Get On Your Boots was released, and a lot of people didn't like it. And I do feel like it kind of unfairly gave an impression of what that album was like, which, mm-hmm. you know, that it was actually kind of a weird track in that album's listing. And it, and it kind of worked better in the context of said album. But yeah, but it, it was uh, all in all a little bit... Uh, it's a careful thing you have to, to pick your opening single because you want it to like, you want to kind of put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, you don't want to necessarily release your best song because it's good to have like surprises on the album. Sure. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a delicate thing. Yeah. I think No Line on the Horizon would have been way better, way better off if they released Magnificent as its opening single. Sure. I would have gotten me pumped. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. a great song. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's arguably a classic. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, unfortunately, yeah, Cha-Ching, I mean, with the with the context that you just gave me of of uh, it actually being written for Beyonce, like that does kind of make more sense mm-hmm. because, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people really like Beyonce, and you know, I she, but I'm not, I'm not a big fan <laughs> typically of her music to be honest, and you know that's okay. Beyonce doesn't need me. Mm. She's doing all right. She'll be fine. You know, I, and I and I, you know, give her credit. I think she does have a really great voice and and uh, and hell of an icon. She's empowering. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, yeah. and her her audience loves her. her. Audience needs her. And um, but you know, I just don't connect generally with her music. And I kind of I I, I heard Cha Ching and I'm like, oh, this kind of feels like top forty pop music. Well, that's just it, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't help the the video is as well. I remember I spoke about how dynamic and interesting their music videos were. This one was just them kind of dressed in Eastern-influenced clothing on the streets, striking poses, doing like, you know, little jilted dancing moves. And the, the song does not compliment Caroline's voice at all, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. She has a very strong voice, um, and the lyrical style is very like staccato and very, uh, you know, pa-pa-pa-pa spitting it out which which um, <laughs> it's 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 not her strength it's not her strength and and also i was just like you know where's where's patrick where's his guitar work you know yeah and then and then the second single romeo i also didn't like and it was more of the same basically <sighs> that being said i was very grateful that we were doing this podcast because i was just like you know what now i now i have no choice gotta buckle this, down yeah, this is it this yeah, is it this gotta is, do it gotta commit this is the maker of the break i'm glad because Honestly, those, in my opinion, are the two worst songs on the album. And the album has some valleys, but it also has some peaks. It also has some some legitimately really, really good tracks on there. Uh, the first two tracks, Look Up and Polymorphine, I think are, are, are pretty good, fairly serviceable. Yeah, so I mean, like, I, I do feel this, this album is a stumble, but it is not a fall. And I was worried about a fall. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt similarly... I don't remember off the top of my head how Romeo, Romeo goes, but I do remember, like, this album is a mixed bag of their most poppy stuff, but also at times their most experimental stuff. And so it's it's kind of a, it's a weird entity, um, and it's hard to put your finger on, but definitely, like, it's worth listening to for the high points, because, yeah, I like, I mean, I guess I, I kind of am just echoing you, but, mm. but yeah, the high points are pretty high, and... What I will give it give it for sure is that there's definitely something like they've always been well produced, but there's something very um, I don't know there's something more interesting about the production in this one. It just seems like they they were experimenting and trying really cool new sounds and ideas and 
and some of them work pretty well. Yeah, the, one of the producers, uh, they, they did self-produce a lot of it, but one of the producers, Robin Hannibal, his biggest claim probably right now is for co-writing Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe by Kendrick Lamar and some Little Dragon stuff as well. Honestly, it took a bit of a step back with production. I think, you know, they got a bit of help with it, but I think they really wanted to, like, make make it themselves in a lot of ways as mm, well. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, there, and there's, no, uh, there's no obvious, like, hit, like great songs like sidewalk safari or uh or i belong in your arms like like in the last album as well yeah so at this point they went on an, another tour and then they ended their tour in brooklyn uh their their adopted home city uh with their biggest show ever and then just you know said hey yeah we're, we're retiring the name chairlift with we've got other projects that we want to do and a lot of other stuff that we're doing and uh the interview that i read with them on pitchfork it was kind of this excellent interview which which is really good I think I'll link it in the show notes. It's a really, really good interview. It shows them completely at peace with it. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no hostility. It's just they feel like they've done all that they wanted to do with this sound and with this, um, you know, with this name, and they're mm-hmm. they're going on and they're doing other stuff. And uh, they said that they would will probably come to each other for collaborations of some kind in the future, but not with with chairlift. Naturally, of course, when they made this announcement, you know, based on timing, a lot of people were like, "You mean like LCD sound system? You're going on that? <laughs> you know." That's our retiring the name, and and they're like, no, 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 no. For, no, no honestly, it, this is it for Chairlift. We're done. That being said, James Murphy did say the same thing about LCD sound system, but you know, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's always <laughs> and actually, Mark Bianchi said the same thing about her space. Oh, that's too. true. <laughs> mm. uh, I never really believe in uh, a never. Mm. Uh, I, I I always think you know, like just just never say never. It, it's it could happen, but I think at the very least, it's uh, a hiatus. Uh, an indefinite hiatus mm. and uh, the, an end of a chapter. Um, I wouldn't. I won't hold my breath for no, more chairlift. I guess you know it's it's uh, sometimes it's okay to just retire a name, you know, and because you know with the name comes certain like expectations. Exactly. And and uh, so you know it, it, it don't uh, they don't feel like being tied down to it, and that's cool. You know they they've already shown themselves to be open to collaboration and other projects and. Uh, was it Ramona Lisa? Ramona Lisa, yeah. Yeah, so she, you know, so obviously she's busy, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you know, it's it's not like it's not an ending. It's just it's just a, it's a new beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, together. Um, but you know, it's true though. Did you hear that one single "Get Real"? That no. was uh, it was I guess sort of a farewell single that was not attached to the album. Nope. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess it was just an extra track they had, and they're like, "Well, we're retiring chairlift. Let's just release it." <laughs> All right, fair enough. But you know, if you, it's not, it's not, it's not as poppy as the stuff on as like Chiching or whatever. So it's mm. you know, it's worth, it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's worth right. worth worth the spin. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some track recommendations. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes you just gotta go with the obvious choice. And I'm gonna go with bruises off of the uh, the first album. You inspires you. Does you inspire you? Does you inspire you? Which, by the way, according to Spotify account, wow, by far the most listened to song. Actually, is it more than the others combined? Is that 11, 11, 14? Yeah, more than the, the next four combined. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Um, bruises is a great track. It is. It's just. Um, so so lovely. Um, and I'm know, sorry, Patrick's voice is so lovely. He has a great voice. 
hours. Yeah, you know, it's it's restrained, it's gentle. Um, Sing you to sleep. Mm-hmm. He's got a lullaby voice. And um, you know, there's you just sometimes you just you just find a great idea for a song, and you just deliver it perfectly. And this is something that's kind of unique in their catalog, so don't, it doesn't represent necessarily what Chairlift does as a whole. But then again, it's, it's hard to really find a, a song that does. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's just it's kind of fun. It's kind of romantic. It's uh, it's quirky but sincere. And uh, a great, a great little pop tune that I think should put a smile on your face. So, check out "Bruises" by Chairlift. But uh, off of uh, off of something, I'm gonna go with "I Belong in Your Arms" uh, because uh, first of all, it's one of the it's one of the most memorable tracks I've walked away from in this whole this whole experience. But also, like, it's it's a great dance tune. Uh, it's a great like love song. Um, my girlfriend Ali. Um, she described it as like a movie moment, um, which I thought was very apt. Like it's just it's got a, it's got a level of drama, a little it's sort of like a little bit cinematic, um, and it's just it's just a good it's just a good song. Like it's, it's well produced and it's good to bob your head to, and um, and it's fun. So check out I Belong in Your Arms, and off of Moth, because. There's three albums, we've got three track recommendations, so <laughs> come on. Ottawa to Osaka. Um, this one is, is quite different than the other two, uh, that it's not as like fun, but it is um, sort of a different side of Chairlift. This is sort of more on the experimental side, and it was one of those tracks that really stood out to me when I was listening to Moth, um, because they do some really cool like production stuff, a lot of like staccato sounds and like, like almost machine gun-like. Uh, just, just a really cool... Really cool from a production standpoint, and I just uh, yeah they do they do a lot of interesting things in there. So you should also check that one out. Steven, take it away. Cool. Off of does you inspire you? I'm gonna go with uh, evidence utensil. I don't know what the hell the song's about, but what I like about it is um, it, there's a playful spirit about it. The way her voice goes like fluctuates during the chorus is perfectly matched with the the goofiness of the instrumentation. And uh, I mean, it's all around a fun song, very unconventional, but very fun. And uh, like I said, killer video to boot. Uh, in terms also of killer videos, I'm gonna go with uh, Eminem and Asia. My, fav- my first actually uh, track that I ever heard by them from um, from something. It's a word that's gotta be careful with in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though even though clocks are like over five minutes, it goes to some interesting places. It uh, it has a good energy without being spastic. Actually, I don't know what this song's about either. To be honest, the lyrics confound me. But you know, you can read along while watching the video. It's great. <laughs> and uh, uh, finally, off of Moth, I'm going to do the uh, quasi title track "Moth to the Flame," which uh, is a throwback, in my humble opinion, a throwback Euro dance track. Uh, the oh, way yes, the synth yes. comes in, it just I I don't know. It immediately evokes. That sort of uh, that sort of fun dance um, atmosphere, and it, do- it doesn't stay that way too. That's the thing is that it doesn't like it doesn't uh, start to finish. It's not like uh, not like that. You know, there's there brings in other elements that are more contemporary, but it's got enough of that that throwback vibe that uh, that it instantly attracted my attention. Yeah, it, it definitely like yeah. You listen to it, you're like, man, I I feel really white and I want to dance. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like it. 
it's uh, it's it's special. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. I think we also had a joint tribe recommendation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because we we both thought that we were gonna do this song, so I I opted out of it, and I think Steve opted out of it. Yeah. Why not? Let's just throw in another one. Because you just gotta check out Sidewalk Safari. I almost feel like if there's one song you gotta walk away with in this uh, in this whole from this whole podcast, you gotta check out Sidewalk Safari. Mm-hmm. Just because that awesome like. I mean, just listen. Yeah, listen to this. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's awesome. It drags you in within the first few bars. It drags you into the song immediately, yeah. and uh, and she's singing against this guitar effect. You know, almost as if she's having a uh, a dialogue with it. And then later in the song, then she loops against it, where she's she's calling out against it as well. I mean, oh, it's great. It's got it's great structure. Oh yeah. So you got you got to check it out. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm not messing around, guys. No. Let's see where is this is it even in the top ten of their songs here? No, it isn't. How, how could it? How could it? I guess we'll we'll just have to contribute to that count. Yeah. So next week we are going over to California. California. <laughs> I love that reference. <laughs> For the duo, the new wave, new new wave disco, the, the newest uh, wave, newest wave disco duo deluxe. Um, uh, yeah, there's a few bands that are called Deluxe out there. Yeah. This one is D E dash L U. No, no dash space. D E space dash L U X. Are you sure? I'm positive. You're right. You're right. They're right here on Spotify. I ain't fucking. There's, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no dash in everybody. For some, I, you know, I think I might put the dash in on my iTunes, and I gotta undo that. That's weird. Uh, D-E space L-U-X. Yeah, they just just released a new album called More Disco Songs About Love. It is appropriately titled. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I'm still waiting t- my vinyls. I had them shipped to our friend's place in Bellingham so I wouldn't have to pay the outrageous uh, shipping oh, fees. Good choice, good choice. But I'm still waiting for them to ar- Well, they arrived, but there was no one home to collect it, so it's gone to holding, so she needs to sign off, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, oh, hopefully I'll have those by the time we record because... Dang, I need those albums. It's great. So, you, dear listener, what do you think of Deluxe? What do you think of Chairlift? What do you think of Bee Gees? What do you think of any of the bands, groups, or artists that we have covered on the podcast? You can even tell us about ones we haven't. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then we'd be like, oh, thanks for chipping in. I guess we should talk about these at some point. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Feel free to get in touch with us. The best way, I think, is through our website, musicazpodcast.com. You can check out our show notes and see the full index. You can even break it down by genre if you so choose on the left-hand side. Also, scope us out on iTunes. Find us in the podcast section. Rate and review us. That way, other people, like-minded people, one might even say, can find us. iTunes will, will direct us towards them. Also, our Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast. Join the conversation. I posted just a couple days ago a video. It was one of those Watch Mojo top ten lists, and it was the a top ten worst cover songs. And I said, little divisive. There's definitely some awful ones on here, but there's also some ones that's while not good, aren't worst. Like, they're not the bottom ten of all time. I'd say generally the list is bad, though. Mm. But yeah, there's a few There's a few exceptions where I'm like, mm, I don't think this is this belongs on, the, on that list. Yeah, and there's not, even mm. a couple, I felt, really good ones that were included on there. And I posted it, and uh, our friend Travis uh, even contributed because I asked the question. They made the statement in the video that you should never cover the Beatles. And I said, do you agree with this? Because I don't. And Travis posted a uh, uh, a cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. It was by... Oh, it was by tons of artists. I know there's Prince, because he was the one, like, what, get, he was doing the, yeah, the guitar what... weeping. 
Uh, Prince Tom Petty. Oh, yeah, there we go from the get-go. But, yes, there's a bunch. There's, oh, wait, uh, Jeff Lynn, Steve Winwood, uh, Danny Harrison and Prince, yeah. So if you're ever interested in content like that and having a conversation with us and seeing all the fun stuff we post, definitely check us out on Facebook. There we also have a Twitter account at Music AZ Podcast, at Music AZ Podcast, or AZ Podcast for you Americans, where uh, I love to engage you in, in chatter. And also I will live tweet concerts and stuff that we go to. It's, it's truth. It will happen. Mm-hmm. You can check me out. Go to YouTube. Check out my new YouTube channel. And by new, I mean it's over a year old. Called Moving Underscore Pictures. P-I-K-T-U-R-E-S. Because uh, that's where I have my various YouTube shows. If you like um, if you like movies and old retro shows and, um, and video games, I got you covered, guys. Don't worry. <clears throat> Don't worry. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm literally working on it every night. Well, almost every night. Well, at least three nights a week. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that I'd really appreciate it. If you're curious about other things that I do, best place to go is DougJCFerguson.com. And it's sort of like the hub. It gives you links to wherever wherever you need to find me. I need to update it. That is all. Yeah, cool. <laughs> all right, anything else, Captain? Uh, no. All right, perfect. Well, I'm going to close this out by saying Music ADZ Podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Stephen Ferguson. You should check out our other works at DougJCFerguson.com and StephenGCFerguson.ca. Ferguson.ca.